It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante along with Big Daddy Dustin Hawkinsmith. And Dustin, we are going to get back to our top 40 most important players for the Penn State Nittany Lions going into the 2022 season. Just a quick review. I guess it was two weeks ago now that we began the series and we covered numbers 40 through 37 in our countdown. It was Caden Saunders at number 40, then Johnny Dixon, then Chop Robinson, and then Tyler Warren. If you have any issues with the way we're ranking them, tough. It's our show. We get to rank them the way we want. And if only, you're really only you, the, only you have a right to to argue with them. That's right. It's our list, so we we get to debate with ourselves that how we rank them, Dusty. So uh, we'll see how that works out. We, as I said, we did forty through thirty-seven. And now we get down to number 36, a player that I really like, an incoming freshman at a crowded position that's running back. We're talking about Katron Allen. He's 5'11", 216 pounds. He played at IMG last year. And we saw him in the blue-white game. He was one of those early entry players, Dusty. And we were told... He was the thunder to Nick Singleton's lightning, which meant he's that guy who's going to get you that three yards in a cloud of dust. Lo and behold, we see him in the blue-white game, and we all go, wait a minute. He's not supposed to be that quick, right? That was exactly it, and I think it's safe to say that Catron Allen has a little lightning to his game, and Nick Singleton has a little thunder to his game. So I, I think um, Allen is a little bit more on the thunder side, and he, he did have that reputation of being a short yardage or goal line back, however you want to put that. Um, but it wasn't because he was a total bruiser. It wasn't because you know he, he was just coming full steam ahead all the time. I think he just has a knack for m- managing tight situations. Um, and a lot of times those are, you know, third and ones or third and goals, whatever the case might be at the goal line. Uh, but he does it in a variety of ways. And I think, you know, there is a skill involved and that's part of his game where he can find a little crease and get through that and get maximum yardage when there doesn't look to be a lot there. And I think that skill could very well come in handy with this group. But I also think at this running back position, I mean, I, it seems foolish to try to predict exactly what's going to happen because there's a lot of moving parts here. There are some veterans. What's Kazai Holmes bringing to the table? Where's Where's Kevon Lee when it comes to the pecking order along with Nick Singleton and Katron Allen? Um, Devin Ford. I mean, there are guys that, you know, I think there's a real competition to be had. But I do feel like at the running back position, along with the offensive line, that change is a good thing that you can do a little addition by subtraction. You can get some fresh legs in there. And I do feel like if the blue-white version of Catron Allen shows up, which is, you know, I don't see any looking at his film and what he was able to do at IMG, there's no reason to believe that it won't. Um, He's one of the top three options on the depth chart. And because he's one of the three uh, best options, in my opinion, uh, 
Couple that with his abilities in short yardage, which I don't think is a is a Kevon Lee strength. Um, I don't think it's a Devin Ford strength. I'm not sure about Kaziah Holmes. He's probably their best option in that situation. There's some pretty good incentive for the coaching staff to play this kid. And to your point about the blue-white game, where you went into it with one line of thinking about what Katron Allen was, and you came out of it with a different line of thinking, it was almost exactly like the first time we saw Noah Kane. And before he got hurt and before he started to slow down a little bit, before he got a little hesitant because of injuries, uh, Noah Kane was like, wow, he's quicker than I thought he was. I think Katron Allen coming from the same school, IMG Academy, with a similar frame, similar skill set. I think he, he, to me, looks even a little bit quicker than Noah Kane was as a freshman. And if that's the case and he's got the same nose for the ball and nose for the goal line, then I, I, he's got a pretty good shot to play a, a role in year one. And that's why I've got him on this list. And, uh, it, you know, as the dust settles, it might end up that he's too low on this list. But uh, I think just the uncertainty at the running back position, I want to put him higher, but I, I need to see it with my own eyes first. And you make a good point about perhaps wanting him to be higher in this list, but that pecking order, there's literally five guys who who think they deserve carries. You're not going to distribute them among all five, are you? <laughs> and, you know, who do you eliminate? And I think Kaziah Holmes is a little bit of the forgotten guy in this because he redshirted last year. But we all know Nick Singleton and his capabilities. I believe the coaching staff was so complimentary of both freshmen who came in early that you think, all right, you know, Catron Allen is going to get his chance also. I don't know how to read that running back room. I don't know where they're going to end up. I don't think anybody's entitled to anything. Right? Like that goes for Kevon Lee. You're not entitled to the starting job. You're going to have to earn that one. Nick Singleton, you're a five star. Yeah. And, and everybody's got some, some really good things to say about you, but you're going to have to earn your keep also. Devin Ford, you're the veteran of this group, but clearly nothing's going to be handed to you either. And I think that's a pretty ideal situation uh, from a competition standpoint. But so, a couple of guys are going to get squeezed out as we, as we learned last year. You know, they do have a top five, but they're really looking to mainly limit that rotation to three guys. And so you're, you can obviously see that two guys, if that's the case, are going to be squeezed out and, and relegated to, to bit roles. You're going to have some nice insurance policies on this roster if somebody gets hurt. So that's a good thing. But it, it is a very fine line with the running back position where you want five scholarship guys. You want five guys who can contribute. But it is hard to keep number four and number five happy. And if my prediction holds true that the two freshmen emerge as two of the top three guys and Kevon Lee has kind of earned his um, place, I think it's going to be hard to unseat him for a top three job. You're going to have guys who have been around for a little while, potentially in that fourth and fifth role. Now, Keziah Holmes, in short, in a small sample size two years ago, I liked the raw skills. Um, and he's a forgotten man because they flipped the script a little bit. They needed to burn his redshirt as, as a freshman, so they redshirted him last year. Just because he redshirted last year doesn't mean he's not going to be a factor here. I just don't know how big of a factor he's going to be. It's going to be a really interesting competition, and I suspect 
probably through the end of training camp. And then throughout the season, we've seen this rotation be a very fluid concept, either by merit or by injury. You're going to see some changes, and I think it's going to be really, really important. Uh, I'm sure Jay Juan Sider will say this at, at points too, that those fourth and fifth guys, whoever they are, they need to remain ready and prepare as if they're starters. There's a good chance what we see as the rotation in game one against Purdue will not be what the rotation is later in the season, even in a couple weeks after that. All right, Dusty, the next one, another interesting one, quarterback Christian Vayu, who we have ranked at number 35, but boy, he's only one play away from being, what, a top 10, top 5, top 3 player on this list? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, uh, I think we saw last year uh, how detrimental it is whenever you didn't have the ability or didn't have the wherewithal to develop your backup quarterback. Now, suddenly he's thrust into a situation on the road at Iowa, hostile crowd, tough defense, uh, pinned in his own territory. He was not ready for that at all. So having a guy like Veyu who's shown you know, the tangible stuff, the intangible stuff to believe that if he's in that situation again, that he's going to be able to do something with it and at least be able to lead the team to a win. Um, so there's that. And there's also the fact that, you know, I think you can change offensive coordinators all you want. At some point in time, uh, these guys are getting a little bit run happy with the quarterback. You know, there have been times where dry stretches have meant that the the best play you've got is is keeper stuff or the best play you've got is for Clifford to tuck and run. And it's going to expose him to injury in addition to the fact that you've got uncertainty along the offensive line. So this backup quarterback position is a is a very important one. And you're right that Christian Bayou is number 35 now because he's not a starter. He might not ever be needed. But if Sean Clifford gets hurt for an extended period of time, he moves way up the list. If Sean Clifford gets hurt on the road against a ranked team, he moves up the list. I mean, th- there's such a fine line here. And I think finally having an offensive coordinator back for a second year, having the ability to, to give Christian Veyu meaningful reps at practice, meaningful reps in games, means he's going to be a heck of a lot more prepared to make the most of his opportunity if or when it comes. And we've seen over the past couple of years that that time has come for Penn State's backup. Will Levis a couple of years ago and take Juan Roberson last year. Is there any chance Christian Vayu gets on the field for meaningful plays without Sean Clifford getting hurt? I mean, it's really tough. Like, we've seen two versions of Sean Clifford in basically each of his three seasons as a starter. And some of it was impacted by injury. Some of it was related. Like, the way he started last year, if he were able to stay healthy and upright and was 100% the rest of the way, I would definitely say no. But, you know, a couple of years ago when, when things were going south before they really shifted into that uh, run-heavy mode in the second half of 2020, he was he was benched. You know, he was flat-out benched. And uh, I, I don't see the same thing happening, but I think we've seen hot Sean Clifford and cold Sean Clifford and Penn State really cannot afford very much of cold Sean Clifford this season. I think the coaching staff will say the right things about being patient and, and you know, wins and losses don't mean that much more just because of the way the last two years went. 
But the fact is, everybody's got to have urgency here. And I think that's going to maybe lead to a tiny bit shorter leash if Sean Clifford has a prolonged slump. Uh, again, I don't see that happening, but um, they don't really have a ton of time to waste um, if Sean Clifford struggles for, let's say, three games in a row. What's your confidence level in Christian Value? Let's say Sean Clifford either chose not to come back or has a season-ending injury in August in training camp. Uh, I'm going to put it at seven and a half because um, I do feel like the 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 more I the more football I see, the more it matters that a kid can be calm and poised and walk that fine line between confident and humble. And I, I feel like we've seen enough and heard enough about Christian Bayou that he just knows how to play that position and has a little bit of that if factor. And I feel like some of that calm and poise, uh, Sean Clifford could maybe learn a thing or two from that. And especially if you're coming in as that backup guy for whatever the reason is, whether it's injury, lack of performance from the starter, that poise, as we learned a year ago from your backup, is so critical. All right, Dusty, that's it for quarter number two. Quarter number three, we're going to talk about a couple offensive linemen. Stay tuned for that. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State-Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind we are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. 